This is Sunday Focus, a weekly public affairs program that looks at the topics affecting our society and the people who are making a change in the community each and every day. The people who have vision for the next generation. Sunday Focus presents new challenges for us, keeping you informed with topics of local and regional interest. Now the host of Sunday Focus, Christine Manica. Good morning. Coming up on the show today, I'm being joined in the studio by pastors Pat and Bobby. They are both pastors with Restoration Ministry Center here in the city of Sioux Falls. Let's face it, this year has been extremely tough for many people. You're in isolation. You're not seeing people like you normally would. You don't know where to go or who to turn to. That's when the Restoration Ministry Center comes in to help you and your needs. Sometimes when you do feel lost and alone, especially when you truly feel like you are going down a rabbit hole of addiction, alcohol abuse, or when you yourself are a victim of sex trafficking. That's when you feel most alone. Restoration Ministry Center is another resource here in the city of Sioux Falls and in the Sioux Empire to help fight with you during the times of struggle. For women in particular, the House of Boraz is a safe haven, a sober house to live, and a loving environment to grow with others. Any women who are struggling with addiction, sex trafficking, criminal past, and domestic violence are encouraged to visit the House of Boraz and to learn more about their resources with Restoration Ministry Center. If there is anyone that needs a place to call home and to find God, the ministers at Restoration Ministry Center, like Pastors Patch and Bobby, welcome you with open arms as well as the other members of its community. You can find out more information by visiting their website at restorationsf.org. All that and more coming up on this episode of Sunday Focus. You may know about Girl Scouts from our awesome cookies, but we do so much more. You can go to camp. You can even be a Girl Scout by helping your community. You can go to events. I can't wait for my next series. I'm gonna learn about photography. You can travel. I can't wait to go to Hong Kong and Jamaica. If you can't wait to do more and see more, check out Girl Scouts. Call 800-666-2141 or visit gsdakotahorizons.org. We used to think all lung cancer was the same. But now we know there are several different molecular types of lung cancer. By performing molecular testing on a lung cancer tumor, doctors can try to determine what's causing it to grow, which can help identify treatment options. Not all lung cancers are the same. Talk to your doctor to see if molecular testing is appropriate for you. And visit lungcancerprofiles.com. That's lungcancerprofiles.com. A public service of six leading lung cancer advocacy groups and Pfizer Oncology. Welcome back to Sunday Focus. I am joined by two pastors, actually, at Pastor Pat and Pastor Bobby. They are with the Restoration Ministry Center here in Sioux Falls. And guys, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's nice to have people in the studio. <laughs> I like being in the studio. So do I. Hey, now before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself and your church. Well, I'm Pastor Patrick, and I'm the senior pastor at Restoration Ministry Center. I've been there for eight years, just over eight years, and we are growing very quickly at this time. Okay, awesome. And then what about you, Pastor Bobby? I am Pastor Bobby. I have been with Restoration 
Baptist Church for many years, and I now am the associate pastor with Restoration and the senior pastor with Sioux Falls Set Free. So tell me a little bit about the church's mission at a Restoration Ministry Center. I think that the mission could probably be summed up with if people have given up on church but not God, then we're the right place for them. Um, a lot of people come to us and say, hey, I can't come to church. I'll burst into flames. And then they come to church and realize that it's not judgmental. There's no condemnation and they're pretty comfortable. So we are a very loving family at church, very non-judgmental and very dysfunctional. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dysfunctional family, but it's a family. All right. Yeah. I, th I think the one thing that that I like to tell everybody is once they've come in the doors, we adopt quickly and their family. So I, I'm often found saying, welcome home. And that's awesome. You know, I always find it inter interesting, no matter what denomination people are, you you always want to know how the pastor or the priest became a pastor or a priest. So how did you both decide to become pastors? That's actually hilarious. We only met each other eight years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. But in 89, 1989, um, I was running wild in the 80s. No. Oh, yes. Did you have a mullet? I did have a mullet. You did? I also had Red Liberty Spikes. Okay, now we're getting into it. See, I always like to know the wild side of priests and pastors. Keep going, pastor. Yes. <laughs> and I had a girlfriend, and my friends started experimenting with drugs and alcohol, mm -hmm. and that wasn't a temptation for me. Mm. Just drugs and alcohol and that whole scene never appealed to me. Mm -hmm. So my friends continued to go down that road, and I kind of felt like I was stuck, like, well, now what do I do because I don't do those things? And I ended up meeting... Or let me back up. I had I had a time when I wanted to be a monk. And, and you say priests and pastors and nuns and clergy. And I wanted to be a monk in 1989. And I went to a Roman Catholic church here in Sioux Falls. And I talked to one of the priests. And I said, what do I have to do to be a monk? I want to start school to be a monk. And he wondered what this mullet-wearing wild kid was doing. <laughs> so he kind of dismissed me. Well, then later on that year, a Baptist preacher took me under his wing, and now I'm a Baptist preacher. And what's funny about that is that in about 86, 1986, just a couple years before I wanted to be a monk, Bobby wanted to be a nun. Really? Is that how you guys kind of bonded in that regard then? I think so. I, I, he was correct. When I was 16, I, I knew that God had something for me. I didn't know what it was. And at that time, I thought the only thing that, that girls could do would, was become nuns. Mm -hmm. And I had no clue what that meant. Um, long story short, here I am today, gone down many, many roads, but I'm not a nun, but God is using me, and I'm really excited about that. But we did, we kind of bonded over that because we were both probably geeky, nerdy kids in high school, um, but having a wild call on our lives at the same time. So I guess my next question for you is when you mentioned how you only thought that you could be a nun, you know, being in a, in a religion, when you were told, oh, you can be a pastor, what kind of went through your mind at that point. That's very crazy that you'd ask that. Okay, so 
I really did think that I could only be a nun. And then going on as I was growing and getting older, I was told that I could be a Sunday school teacher. I could be a secretary. I could, you know, teach the children in church. I could lead Bible studies. I wasn't really given a lot of support in being a pastor. And I have to give a lot of credit to Pastor Patrick because he's, he saw what God was doing. He saw that, that my desire was to be a pastor when, when many people said I was a woman and I couldn't be a pastor. Um, he saw that. He saw that call. He stepped in and he fought. He fought for me to be where I'm at today and say, no, God has a call in her life and I want to use this. So now that we know a little bit about you two, talk to me about Restoration Ministry Center. What are some maybe service service projects you've done throughout the community or planning to do or just a little bit more background about your church? Well, I, I grew up, like I said, in the 80s with mohawks and mullets and playing speed metal guitar and doing the whole Metallica and Ozzy thing. (laughs) And so when I finally became a pastor 10 years ago, I thought that I was going to have a church in Sioux Falls that was going to be one of a kind and it was going to be rock and roll and it was going to be the cool rock and rollers. I didn't know that it was going to end up being people in recovery from drugs and alcohol. Like I said, I've never done that. I didn't have patience for it. And some other gentleman took me under his wing and he, he started mentoring me. And so now our church has an incredible outreach in the recovery world. And for people who've struggled with drugs and alcohol, sex trafficking, just the underbelly of the society where people don't know about it. They don't know what's happening. They don't want to think about it. They don't talk about it. And we're right in the middle of it. So... We both, Pastor Bobby and myself, um, we're down at Keystone on a weekly basis, several times a week, visiting with people as clergy, giving lectures, sharing music. And then we have a lot of people in the recovery world that feel comfortable in our church. Was it kind of shocking for you and probably for you too, Pastor Bobby, just to really get in the thick of those types of issues? Because those are issues that are kind of sweeped under the rug every now and again, or just a new story on television. But actually seeing it for yourself, what was your first reaction? I resisted it at first. I resisted it. I didn't, I didn't want it. I didn't believe in it. I didn't like it. And what happened, what really happened, I guess, is one, one morning, Pastor Bobby was with me and I was dropping off my son at middle school. Mm-hmm. And I saw some people along the Bishop Dudley Road there down by Whittier Middle School. And then it was eight o'clock in the morning and they were passed out and laying on the sidewalk. And I was kind of disgusted by it. And I wrinkled my nose and I literally thought to myself or th- prayed in my head that, God, how can you, how can you put up with this? How can you stand this? And in my heart, crystal clear, I heard God tell me, if that was your son, what would you do? And I started crying and I said, I'd be down here every single day trying to bring him home. And he said, that's what I'm trying to do. And that really four years ago spurred on our ministry, which has exploded now because I finally fell in love with people who struggle with addictions. What are other ways that your church is involved with the community? We do work with youth. We have yearly vacation Bible studies or Bible schools, uh, block parties, 
we have many many people in our in our church do things on their own which and when i say that i mean they they minister on their own they minister to their neighbors they minister to their coworkers we don't always do things as a huge body but the beautiful thing is we do things individually also and that's so important we can reach further, we can reach out further when we're each being the hands, when we're each being the feet, and we're each being a voice of Christ. If you are just joining, I am here in the studio with Pastor Pat and Pastor Bobby from the Restoration Ministry Center here in Sioux Falls. So there's actually something really cool that you and your church is doing, and it's actually one of the reasons why you're here today. You're doing it for the woman around the Sioux Empire, and you actually created a house next to the church. So first of all, tell to me about the house and the purpose of it. One thing that I've always wanted, I I did not have an easy childhood growing up. My mom and I struggled. My mom had, had issues. I had issues. There was a lot of abuse, a lot of addiction, just a lot of issues in our in our our house for me growing up. And so as I grew and became stronger, I really wanted to to use what I knew, use what I experienced. And all the the negative stuff that happened to me, I wanted to use it as a positive. How can I use this? How can I be a change in the world? After Pastor Patrick and I met, we we had a situation come up with a woman who needed help. He she reached out to him. Long story short, he reached out to me and we had nothing we could do. My heart broke for her though because I knew what it felt like. I knew what it felt like to be destitute, abused, scared, and nowhere to go and nowhere to turn. And so in my heart, in his heart, we we came we said we have to do something. What can we do? House of Boaz was born as a place where we could offer protection to women, provision, helping them with their needs, but the ultimate goal was to give them a purpose in life, find out what their purpose was, that they weren't just drug addicts, they weren't just homeless, they weren't just, I I don't like the word just, because they were so much more than all of that, and so I wanted to step into their lives and say, if God changed me, and he did some awesome things in me, and through me, and around me, he can do that for you, so I like to grab them by their hands and say, let's learn what our purpose is, and so we've gotten an awesome opportunity to work with women who've, who've been trafficked, who are trying to get away from their pimps, who are trying to get away from their drug dealers, who are just trying to leave that world, and say, okay, here's a safe place to land, and how can we go from here, and how can we be set free and live from here? How did the name of the house come about? It's a very unique name. It is a unique name, and you don't hear many men named Boaz nowadays. Um, In the Bible, in the book of Ruth, there was a Jewish man named Boaz, and a woman from a different country, a foreigner, ended up being a widow, and she ended up in Israel, and she needed, she needed protection, she needed provision, and she needed a purpose. And he offered her those things. He protected her, he provided for her, and he gave her a purpose to serve his God, and she wanted to serve his God. And so that's, those are the three Ps that we have, protection, provision, and purpose. And 
the house of Boaz because it's a way of, it's a Jewish way of saying you're under his authority is to say you're from the house of mm-hmm. Jacob. You're from the house of Boaz. And we wanted literally a house where women could be protected first. We need to get them away from the, the dangerous and violent situations that they have found themselves in. And then we need to make sure they're provided for. They need to have food and clothing and hygiene and feminine products and things that so they can feel they're not just safe, but they're taken care of before we can even begin to share the love of Christ with them. Because if you're not safe and you're not provided for, it's real easy to say, I'll pray for you and go on your way. But we just recently, we got a phone call from a young gal that we had been working with at Keystone. And she said, last night was a bad night. I woke up in a hotel room with one of my exes and I don't know how I got there and I need help. And I said, where are you? And she told me, and we, we were driving down the road and we were within two minutes from where she was. And I said, I'm almost there. And we picked her up and we brought her to the house. And she told us on the way there, she said, this, the love that you guys are showing me is crazy. And I said, well, you know, God's love is crazy. It's huh. a crazy love. Absolutely. So who came up with the idea for the house? We, our church owned a couple buildings. And so it was already paid for. So we were able to raise a little money and revamp it and make it into a place where they could live. How many women would you say right now stay at this house or use um, this service? Right now we have five ladies living at the house of Boaz, and that is our max capacity. So we're looking at in the near future of how we can raise more funds and begin more locations with more houses. One thing that I've learned falling into the recovery world is first I wanted to do House of Boaz. My heart, I was raised by my mom and grandma, and I have a little sister. And so when all my friends started using drugs and running around acting crazy, that just didn't appeal to me because I was raised by women and I had more respect for women than that. Mm-hmm. And so even even as a wild 80s kid, I didn't I didn't like that party scene. I didn't like how people treated each other. So I, my heart was just burning that I wanted to help these girls that were in trouble. And what I found out was it's almost always because of drugs and alcohol are in the middle of it. And if we don't address the addiction problem, then we're, we're just putting Band-Aids on a corpse. Why should women come to your house when there's, there's other organizations around here that do the same thing? But why come to the House of Boas? That's a good question. And good questions need answers. (laughs) (laughs) There are, there's, there's many places they can go and every place has its own feel and its own culture. And I think what we offer that many places don't is we're not just trying to raise awareness. I think people are well aware. I think it's time to start putting our money where our mouth is and actually doing something about it. And so we are, we are downtown Sioux Falls working with the ladies. We are at Keystone working with the ladies and more than just raising awareness that many people are doing, we're actually meeting with them, getting up in the middle of the night to go to pick them up when they say they need help and meeting them where they're at, just actually being the hands and feet of Christ. 
If you are just listening in on the program, I'm being joined by Pastor Pat and Pastor Bobby from Restoration Ministry Center. Now, obviously, I don't know if you noticed, things have been different this year. <laughs> Something called COVID. I don't know. But the reality is, and unfortunately, this pandemic has affected people in some sort of way. No matter what your views on it, it has affected things. How did maybe these changes affect the women in the home because sometimes when you're in a situation and you're forced to stay with only the, the people that you know that could be being abused by someone in that household it's tougher to leave that situation when you are told you're really not supposed to leave the house so if, from your perspective has this affected these women at all or not really i would say the women that we've ministered to it hasn't it hasn't affected it hasn't been the primary issue with them mm -hmm. there have been there have been some that have been quarantined with abusive significant others and and situations like that where we have stepped in to help but it hasn't been a primary source yet yeah. No, that, that that totally makes sense. I get that. And you were talking to me earlier um, about how, you know, this was actually a good learning experience for the church. It was. The, the one thing that I will say is COVID reshaped a lot of different things throughout throughout all of society as far as how we handled everything. Mm -hmm. And as a church even as a ministry center, as an outreach, because the people that we primarily minister to are so desperately hurting, we never really could say we were shut down because everybody that we minister to needed somewhere to go. They needed a safe place to be. And if we were to say to them, stay home, don't come out, don't be around people, it would have been so bad for them mm -hmm. because they they needed to be around others though so the one thing that we had to kind of come together and say how can we minister to everybody in this time and how can we not lose anybody we were able to to keep our doors open offer different varieties of options we've increased different group times so that there can be smaller groups throughout the week but the one thing that we did do is increase our or figure out how to go online, how to record our services. How can we reach those people who literally feel feel safer at home? I get it. They they they're compromised systems. They're they're concerned. So we don't want to lose. We don't want to miss them because they need to hear what Christ is doing too. So with with technology, we're able to to take care of both people for, for the ones that say, you know what, I'm safer at home. I need to be at home or I can't be around mm -hmm. others. That's fine. That's totally fine. We get that. So we offer online services to them. We offer different support things for them. And then for the ones that said, I need to be around people. I need to be around my family. Our doors are open. Come in. We have we've had several that that say I I feel best watching from home. That's great. Watch from home. We're fine with that. We have others that say I I want to just fellowship and I want to worship and I want to get hugs. 
come in and worship and get hugs. We have some that are in the middle that say, I want to be careful who I'm around. Mm -hmm. I need to wear my masks. I need my hand sanitizer. I need all of that. That's fine. Do whatever you need to do. But in the end, we still need to worship Christ. We're just trying to meet you wherever you're at and say, we get it. We get it. You need to minister. You need to reach Christ. You want to worship and we want to be there for you. In the end, do you think this pandemic only made your congregation stronger? I totally believe that it made us stronger. We came together. We saw that there was a fight to to keep our church alive, to keep our doors open. And we also realized that there is so much bigger going on than all of us. And how, what has God called us to do? God has called us to, to reach out, to reach out and minister, to reach out and spread his love, to spread his news. And letting something stop us taught us that, that we can come together and we can be what he's called us to be. And I, and I do think that it's made us stronger because we've, we've increased with our awareness of who's around us. What are people doing? How do people feel? Everybody feels differently. Everybody may speak differently, but that doesn't mean we don't love. We can still show them love. And we've, We've seen more people come into our fellowship, come into our congregation, and want to know who Jesus is. What has God done? What is he doing? And just, I've seen an excitement and a desire just blossom from that. I know a lot of people sometimes when times get tough, um, they don't think that they can handle it all the way. I always say, you know, God doesn't give you anything that you can't handle. So would you say when these people were coming to you during the pandemic saying, hey, I need to be around someone, I need to be around God, do you think that's their way of saying, I can handle this, but I need some help along the way? Absolutely. And I, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says that there's no temptation that's not common to all of us and that God is faithful and he will give a way of escape. And many, many, many times that way of escape from a temptation is our brothers and sisters. And that is especially true in the recovery world. If you're, if you're tripping in your head and you're having temptations and you're having thoughts, to be around somebody who understands you is critical. And so we had a lot more people start coming to church through this pandemic because they said, my group shut down because of COVID. I need, I need help. I need mm -hmm. somebody. And you're here? And I said, absolutely, we're here. It was, it was of utmost importance for me to meet people face-to-face. -face. If they needed me, I'm there. Whether you're in a public office or you're just in the public in general, it can be tough to kind of navigate people through a pandemic such as COVID-19. You two probably never thought you'd be ministering to your congregation during a pandemic. So what are some ways that you kind of made people feel comfortable during this time if some people of your church did feel uneasy? We have Pastor Terry doing music for us every Saturday night and Sunday morning. And he wears a mask when he comes to church and he doesn't take it off until he sings. He puts it back on. And then we have we have a balcony up top where only a couple people sit and he sits up there. Um, there are those that have immune systems that are such that they need to be careful. So we're careful with those. 
and we remind people because we're kind of a huggy church and we love each other. If someone's wearing a mask and they're trying to stand in a corner, don't go running up and giving them a hug. <laughs> let, <laughs> let them have their space. But that's how we, we try to, like Bobby said, we're trying to meet everybody where they're at and to respect them as a person first and foremost. Pastor Pat and Pastor Bobby here with me in the studio talking about Restoration Ministry Center along with the House of Boers. Now, if anybody wants any other information in regards to the church and to the House of Boers, where can they go? Who can they call? You can go to www.restorationsf.org restoration sf as in sioux falls.org and from there you can find set free sioux falls our saturday night service you can find the house of boaz um, and we are located on 1034 north spring avenue which is behind the plasma center on north minnesota avenue and if I say, do you know where the Plasma Center is? Most people say, yeah, 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 I know where that is. Well, we're right behind it. Donate blood while you're at it. Right. <laughs> Christ gave his blood so you can give some blood, and, and then we can have a live band together and be a family again. There you go. Well, thank you both for coming in here to share your story, to share the church's story and everything that you are doing so far. I know it's tough right now this year, but it's nice to know that people do have options around the Sioux Empire in case they do need that extra help that you guys are there. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Christine Manica, and you've been listening to Sunday Focus. I'd like to thank pastors Pat and Bobby from Restoration Ministry Center for joining me in the studio today to talk about their works in the House of Boris. Once again, any women who are struggling with addiction, sex trafficking, criminal past, or domestic violence are encouraged to check out the House of Boris. Sunday Focus is a public affairs program of Results Radio, Town Square Media, Sioux Falls.